First one. Second. First. Third. I'm here. Way ahead of you guys. Here, look at my little buddy. Awesome. Yeah. So what up? So right here on this pad of paper, I wrote down how we're going to do like the intro. And then I just realized like it all just went to crap oh, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> all just, just complete garbage. We give a shout out to the audience. Hey, how was your week, guys? We'll do a guest introduction. <laughs> oh, sh- you, you didn't go over that. We didn't go over this. Well, I mean, how many episodes have we been doing this year? <laughs> 108. Damn it. Maybe next time. See, again, this is why we can't get Brian Orr on the show. We're not, <laughs> we're not that level. You want me to make a call? I'll make a call. He, he, he I just messaged him today. We were just talking. If, if you tell him that we're not on the show anymore, he might come on here. Okay. Just so, hey, Brian, this is just a me and you interview. Yes. Yep. Nobody we'll, else, really. We'll I pop promise. in like the background. Fingers crossed behind my neck. So anyway, no. as you guys can tell, we have Mr. Ed Janowick down below. That was close. That was really close. Oh, yeah. What, how many? Uh, Bill has a hard time with people's names. Yeah. So everybody has iterations. Okay. How many times Jabber, did you say Jabber his Wonky? name? Yeah, Jabberwocky. Isn't that a Star Jabber Wars Wonky? character? Yeah. 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 In my high school yearbook, my favorite saying was, no, you pronounce it John O'Walk. John O'Walk. Yeah, it's pronounced just like it's spelled. I don't understand what's wrong with people. Sounds like a no, <laughs> right. No, it's like a silent letter in there somewhere. I know if you go over to Poland, that's what they'll, Je- they'll say. Genoviak. But no, we we oh we my ancestors uh, here domestically Americanized it. So the Jan turned into John, even though it says Jan, and uh, that's how like we a, say it. Sounds like a town in Wisconsin. Hard out, a hard. My aim. name is Ed. And that's uh, after the first couple of minutes. Hey, you's fine too. So cool. Hey you. Hey you. That works. We got Ed Janowak, fellow gnome and Papa Smurf impersonator on the show tonight. Yeah. From ACA, air conditioning contractors of America. Does that mean we have to mind our manners and be well? We should. We okay. should be okay. somewhat professional tonight. Okay. I mean, so I'm going to do my best. Started Let's it off straight. with a. Nice list of professional things. Okay. Yeah, I've got mine. Right Went here. nowhere. His top half is all garbage already. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exciting. Exciting for our audience. But anyways. So I'm gonna yeah. usual. I'm gonna lean back now, let you guys take over. Well, you you still got some introductions to do. Yeah. You got some people yeah. to say hi that's to. That's right. Real quick, we got a couple fresh faces in the crowd tonight. Again, we got Michael Michael House. He was on the show last week. That was pretty awesome. You mean he actually still likes us? enough to pop up in the chat okay you know all their talk about brown bears and black bears and everything and yeah that was that was a good time yeah yeah mr big clive if you guys don't know big clive does a live stream every saturday 4 p.m my time which is eastern so check him out it's always a great time always always a great time i won't forget to say hi to our little buddy randy and his other little buddy luke which, speaking of that, doesn't somebody else have another little buddy named Luke? I, 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 yeah, and that's not my Luke barking right there. I Sounds like it. didn't realize that my wife named our brand new dog Luke, and then someone said a comment in one of my videos or something like that, Chris and his little buddy Luke, and it just made me realize mm-hmm. I that's gave hilarious. my dog the same name as Randy's dog. Hilarious, oh, original. Hilarious. That is. But I want to know, Bill, how come you're not plugging my stuff? Like, that was part of What's our that? agreement was you were going to start plugging my stuff. <laughs> oh, your merch? No. Don't forget, well, guys, everything. if you guys want merch, you can go to the HVACR.com website. Buy all the merch you want. <laughs> I don't own HVACR.com. Oh, I, I don't know. It's some website. Just Google Chris Stavanovich. <laughs> You'll find it. He has a website somewhere. You'll find it. I mean, he's all over the place. We, you know? uh, we tried to get the HVACRtool.com 
But oh. what happened with that? They get some guy. Yeah, what did they come back with? It, and we were going to try to buy it. And he's like $15,000 for that domain. Yeah. I reached out to the person that owned HVACRtools.com because I did a web search and I found out that they don't, they're not even using it. Like, and I could see how many hits their websites had. It's a redirect for like Genie Air Conditioning in Southern California or something like that. And so I reached out to the guy and I was like, hey, would you sell me your website? I'd be willing to pay for it. And he, he never responded. So then I went to an agency and I paid an agency like a couple hundred bucks to like on my behalf or whatever. And they came back with like $15,000 or I was like, you're on crack. I ain't paying mm-hmm. that. That's nope. way too much. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. So how you doing today, Ed? I'm doing quite well. Uh, I'd, I'd be lying if I <laughs> didn't say I'm a little sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I started the day off pretty early this morning and, uh, what are you guys I doing? Finally, I finally sat down on my computer probably around two o'clock and proceeded to fall asleep to the point where I I was kind of like this. And I think I was asleep for about five minutes and I woke up because my and my hands did did one of those. So <laughs> that's kind of how my day's going. Yeah. But it, it was all for for a good cause. Should have chugged a four loco. That would have brought you back. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we went to dinner. I uh, I didn't have anything to drink for that sole purpose. Uh, I can be a little more entertaining when I got half a bag on, but uh, with the not getting enough sleep, so, uh, so it's, I would be, be better off not uh, liquored up. Yeah, yeah. that's probably. That's See, probably I, I've it. been told that I'm much better liquored up. So, uh, and my you're wife tells be- me that too. Go figure. You're much so. better looking when I'm liquored up. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you mean. All right. Actually, on. one of the best classes I've ever done. I, I've been teaching HVAC related topics for a long time. But one of the best classes I ever done, I actually don't remember. Uh, I was having some issues with some kidney stones. <laughs> oh and, yeah. And the it was a large contractor and they were trying to get something accomplished. And uh, somebody from my office uh, said, Ed said he'll show up, but he's, you know, having some issues. And if he, <laughs> if he starts having the issues with the kidney stones, he's going to take something to take care of it. And they're like, we don't care. Have him show up. Sure. Uh, it was a, a full day class. I made it to lunchtime and I, it, oh, ooh, that's not good. And I, I want to say I took like 60 milligrams of Percocet and a, uh, a Dilaudid. And ooh. I, uh, I literally saw one of the fellows that was in that class within the last month. And he started talking about some of the stuff I said in the class. And he was like, it was the best class I ever attended. They were laughing so hard. And I'm like, yeah, it was great. And I don't remember any of it. So <laughs> that was a good time. But I finished and it was a, Actually, it was a, a review class for a Nate exam, and they got enough guys to pass so they could have enough Nate certified techs, and they got some kind of an award or something. So, and there's no nice. footage of this class anywhere. Uh, actually, uh, that place, the the service manager's name was Jim, would be downstairs, and they had the eye in the sky, and uh, uh. that was the way he kept uh, some of the people that weren't that interested in what I had to say his attention. But he never had to come up and. <clears throat> give them what for so uh yeah there was a, a tape i'm assuming uh, yeah so i'm gonna throw joe under the bus right now because joe doesn't want to address the elephant in the room so he puts it in the private chat over here so i'm gonna go ahead and ask the question because joe doesn't want to ask it so can, you, can we you, give a problem? adam should be doing it to be honest because he brought him yeah on. but you I think just, he just should have been come on we're the it. captain of obvious on this show talking. so i'm just waiting for a uh, no 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 that should be the first thing on the agenda a proper introduction so this, who is, who he is? Some Adams. people don't know who he is. This is the great Ed. Oh, okay, Ed. Right. Did they say? Besides, I did, right? 
Yeah, Besides, John Walk. John Walk. I don't remember when we did this like five minutes ago. Yeah, John Walk. And he said, <laughs> "So, but anyways, um, you teach uh, manual. You teach amongst other things manual D. I actually was watching one of your videos uh, from the Energy Conservatory that you released, or they released in the last week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and you say that your manual D class, you could teach that book. It, your goal is in a day, right? Uh, yeah, uh, I've done. I don't think I'd be exaggerating if I said uh, 300 times over the years. I've taught manual D in a day. Uh, If I have my choice on how to do it, I'm not doing it in a day, but rarely do I have my choice. My favorite way to do the design series, as I call it right now, is with our three-day class. And that's Monday we do manual J. Uh, Tuesday we wrap up manual J, or the, the first day, I should say. The first day we do manual J, the second day... Uh, we wrap up Manual J and go through all of Manual S. We start talking about Manual D. And on the third day, we finish Manual D. We cover some Manual T topics. And then if we have enough time, the QI5, uh, making sure we're doing it right, so to speak, um, uh, standard is uh, discussed at the end of the three-day class. So I have a question. Shoot. Um why does it take eight hours to teach somebody to line up your duculator to point one? Well, we spend seven hours explaining that nowhere in manual D is the word duculator used. Oh, uh, it's a duck slide. Okay. Right. And that's, that's not, not new to me. I've known it for a long time. I call it a duculator also. Um, and look, look at that. I just happen to have a couple of them right here. Uh, and if you're going to buy one, buy that one or get, get the app for your iPad. I got a spirograph. Uh, the thing about the ACA wheel or the duck slide from ACA is it has four different materials on it. Uh, I'm not thinking of another material that you would use. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of this one from the Air Distribution Institute because it's got some stuff where it talks about flex, getting lots of. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the most important things sideways. when people is understanding there's a different one for flex, right? Yeah, well, this one does metal and flex, and it yeah. not only does uh, flex, it does it at 4, 15, and 30% compression. So you can see how much of a difference it makes when we don't pull flex taunt. And I don't know if this is a rabbit hole you guys want to go down right now, but the whole thing with flex is it's supposed to be pulled taunt. Period. I was going to say, is it safe to assume that if it has flex, just just do the worst compression on it because that's pretty much how it is on every well, what single is job. The worst compression? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you measure that, but I'm well, just saying in general, well, this, everything I see is just completely blocked off. I'm in Southern California, and everything commercial is just all flex stuff we deal with here. Yeah, and if you follow the the instructions and you follow the math, we can anticipate how much compression it has, and we can account for it. So you, there's nothing wrong with using flex. There's nothing wrong with installing flex that it's not perfectly straight. Is it a better mousetrap if you pull it perf- perfectly straight? And is it more predictable? Yes. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, uh, I don't want you to do this. If you want to yeah. go out and do that, if you follow the rules from the Air Diffusion Council, then again, you can get predictable results. Yeah. So it's uh, all of it. When we start with Manual J, Manual J is a big math problem. Yeah. Manual S. It's another big math problem. Manual D is another big math problem. And manual T, eh, don't blow air on people. And it's another big math problem. Now, manual T is grills, right? For those that don't know. Terminations. 
terminations. J okay. is uh, Jules or something. I think I'm not even hundred percent sure on that one. Um, but it's Jules is a, a measurement of energy. Uh, manual D stands for, you know, the ducks, uh, T terminations and S stands for selection. And hmm. here's a good one. I'm just going to put this out to, to you guys. Uh, are you familiar with manual S? I've heard Someone. the phrase. <laughs> are you familiar with expanded performance data? Uh, yes. No. Okay, I've well then, yeah. all Manual S is, uh, I mean, it's more than this, but essentially Manual S is really just a book that shows you how to read expanded performance data for equipment. Okay. Gives you guidance, gives you limits, uh, things of that nature. But all of the books, when they're used together in the design series, give us predictable results. And I think everybody would benefit from having predictable results. Uh, if you use just one book in the design series, well, our results aren't going to be nearly as predictable. And it, there isn't a book in the design series that was meant to be used by itself. It's do one, the next, the next, the next, and all together they make a really good cake. Uh, if you don't use them all together, uh, that can become a problem. I feel like um, airflow is not, in general, taught properly or taught at all when it comes to most HVAC education mm -hmm. services, you know, you go to trade school, that's just a, most of them are just for profit, pushing people out the door kind of a thing. Exactly. You know, most of the duct work stuff and most of the, I mean, they don't even teach sheet metal for the most part, unless you go into a union apprenticeship or something. Mm -hmm. um, you, you don't even understand most of that stuff. And then on top of that, one of the, again, I'm a commercial service guy. So I do commercial refrigeration and air conditioning. And I mean, even finding tools that can properly measure airflow is a nightmare when it comes to the commercial stuff too. And most people don't even understand, you know, I, I still people see people going up to a package unit and trying to put a manometer on it, you know, just on the return and supply outside ducts. And, and they think they're going to find the airflow with that, you know, and it's like, how, show me where are you going to find it? I mean, it's, you know, you, the performance charts don't really do much for that. And, you know, it, it's it's just such a big misunderstood part of our industry, but yet it's the most important part important. of it. Yeah. Uh, one of my uh, uh, um, rambles that I do, the, the four things that our industry does, electricity, combustion, mm -hmm. the refrigeration circuit, and fluid movement. Every one of us can easily just grab something and quantify electricity precisely. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, pressure and flow. Right. And it, I'm trying to sound fancy, but it, you know, voltage and current. Right. Same thing with combustion. You drill a hole in the, the breach or in the vent connector and you shove a meter in there and you speed up air or you uh, add more uh, primary or secondary. You, you, you mess around with it. You can change the process, but we can easily quantify it. Uh, same thing with the refrigeration circuit. You put yeah. some gauges or whatever on. You see if your coil is starved, flooded or in a proper condition. We can quantify it. But when it comes to fluid movement, and that's a fancy way for me to say airflow, uh, use your handometer, right? Yeah. People, that's the part that it's not easy to quantify. And but, every one of those three things you said is affected by the fluid movement too. Oh, so, absolutely. You know, but, the electricity usage, the combustion effect, and the refrigeration circuit is all going to be affected by the airflow. Yep. And as, as far as the commercial sector, I, I won't disagree with you. Uh, for the residential products, uh, it's, it's much easier because you have uh, true flow grids. You have, you know, different methods of doing it that can make it easier. But on the commercial side, 
you know, I, I said this recently, I I'm, I'm waiting for the tree. You know, I know they just came out with the new Bluetooth true flow grid and all that stuff. And that's great. Mm -hmm. I was on a job one time when I had an energy auditor come out and audit an install that I did many. It was really weird because he came out like three years later. So they got some sort of a rebate and he was just doing a, an audit and he must have brought out it was a package unit that had it held uh six 24 by 24 pleated filters so he pulled out so many true flow grids these weren't bluetooth ones and he yeah, had them all rigged like up in that package unit and cardboard blocking things off and i was just looking at it going it just doesn't look right dude you know it's all it's, uh, the true flow grid is really nothing but something and it, there's a lot more to it but oh, at yeah, the end of yeah. the day it's just doing a formal traverse well it, and, you, and the thing that i'm pointing out is this majority of us uh, you know even this energy auditor like don't get me wrong the true flow grid in the right hands could probably be amazing if it's used properly but also put in the wrong hands you know and and as i was talking to this energy auditor i was like you know i'm not the smartest person when it comes to airflow and stuff. And I'm asking him like, Hey, how does this work? And what, how do you account for this? And he was just like, I, I, I don't know, dude, I just took a class and they said to put all this stuff in here and, and write down these numbers and turn it into these people. And it's like, Oh, oh okay. All right. You know, but I, I think it's such a misunderstood thing and it's so difficult to measure. And unfortunately the, the, the people that we look to, to tell us how to measure things are the manufacturers of that particular piece of, or that particular tool. And so they're always going to say that theirs is the best. Theirs is better. Use our hot wire anemometer. This is great. It works perfect. Okay. But mm -hmm. what if you use it in the wrong situation? Right. You know, use yeah. this or use oh, that. You, 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 if you use a hot wire versus the true flow versus uh, temperature rise versus uh, a bolometer, whatever. You're get a different you, number you, on every one. On all of them, right? The performance yeah. data, whatever you do, it's going to be slightly off. Um and that's another thing too, all these classes, I've taken so many different airflow classes and this and that. And uh, what a lot of these classes teach you, which I know one of your videos that you have on YouTube, Ed, you talk about uh, CFM per ton. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the Midwest, you need to have 400 CFM per ton, right? The famous 400. <laughs> Eyes twitching, eyes twitching. <laughs> hey, I stand corrected because Advanced Refrigeration Podcast has got it figured out. He says he can measure airflow with a condom, a paperclip, and some big leak chew. Wow. That's pretty epic, bro. And you know what? Well, you gotta give it to I, I know that right was there. meant to be tongue-in-cheek, but the, the HERS Raiders actually have a standard where you use a trash bag of a known volume and a stopwatch in lieu of using a flow hood. Yeah, that I see is, how fast uh, it fills up. That, that's a legitimate thing. And uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Again, there, there could be, I don't want to say fraud, but there could be, um, you can fudge the numbers with anything. And and I'm not going to say every single one out there, but in Southern California, you know, the, the HERS Raiders really came out really popular because we have an energy code, Title 24 and stuff. And in the very beginning, I'm going to tell you the industry, known thing in the industry was nobody was passing the HERS tests. Nobody. And so basically the HERS Raiders had to figure something out. And then all of a sudden, majority of the people are passing the HERS tests. So do you know what you know, they were actually failing for? Or I don't, but I just know that a lot of people were failing. Well, I mean, honestly, we use everything flex duck. So how's everybody and nothing is installed, right? So how are you ever going to pass? Well, that and that's, yeah, you're not going to have the proper fine. volume. So, so basically, bad. again, I'm not saying every HERS Raider out there, I'm not pinpointing certain down. people, but. It, it, I don't even deal with hers Raiders. I'm just a service guy, but I just know that that was pretty much known that nobody was passing the test in the beginning. And then all of a sudden they had to change some things and people started passing the tests all of a sudden and nothing really changed. So hmm. it's kind of a, eh, 
interesting how that worked, you know. So where do you, uh, are you, uh, do you do virtual classes now with the whole COVID-19, 2021 20, deal? Uh, I've, in the last, let's go from the first of the, this year, I've done 10 to one virtual versus uh, live classes. But uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, again, we were, and I, when I say DC, uh, ACA's office is technically in Alexandria, Virginia but we're literally within walking distance of the, the, the line to, to get uh, across into DC. In fact, uh, I was down in August and well, because I could, I, I showed up on Sunday cause we had an early start on Monday and it was a $8 Uber ride from the hotel, which is a half mile from our office to get to the Lincoln Memorial. And I walked the Lincoln mm-hmm. Memorial, the, the national mall down to the Washington Monument and stuff. So we're right there in, in, in DC. Uh, the class that I did two weeks ago uh, was in uh, uh, Alexandria and I've done two other classes in person. And one was Brian's thing down there in uh, Claremont symposium. In March. now which one are you talking about though the one last year or the, the previous year both i've i've i spoke okay. the first year and i, I was at was, the first year yeah it, it to be honest with you it was after we went uh, away and came back i put two and two together yeah as the, you were the closing act yeah the, yeah the yeah month. i closed yeah. the show that's right so when i went to that symposium the first time um i knew who bill spone was i knew who bergman was um uh, uh, Dick was there. Bob Feathers was there. Uh, Andy Shane was there. There was like uh, three other people that I knew who they were. Yeah. So I didn't know who anybody was. Neither uh, did I. Well, I, I kind of knew a few people, but yeah. I, I, I wasn't, uh, I had met Brian, uh, on his podcast arguing with a local contractor, uh, a, a friend of mine here. And that's how I met him. Then the second time I went down, I pretty much knew the cast of characters and we went over to the creepy house that had Michael Jackson in the, the closet painted on the wall. And no. it was like Epstein Island or something, man. It was creepy as <laughs> you know, that whole AF word, but it was a good time, but yeah. I knew everybody by then, or at least I recognized and I had some idea of like, all right, avoid that guy. He's a nitwit or <laughs> engage with this guy. Cause he's got yeah. a blue, uh, and, and for a plug, if anybody out there doesn't already know, Brian Orr, obviously, everybody knows Brian Orr, right? HVAC school, mm-hmm. HVACRschool.com. Um, Brian has an event. He started it two years ago. It's the HVACR training symposium from HVAC school. Uh, it was at his floor, his office in Claremont, Florida. Um, he did it last year. Last year was kind of weird because of all the craziness and stuff. So I did a virtual presentation. I plan on being there this year. I'm going to do a presentation again. If you guys can get tickets to Brian's event, these guys right here say they're going to go. Well, no, Joe okay. says he's going to get his passport. Year, sure. We were I really, doubt any of them are going to go, but we'll see. You know, we we'll were see formally how invited, we were last, invited. Year. last year and this year to have a yeah. live podcast. And uh, two out of the four of us screwed it up, right? Because yeah. we're not really allowed to say this, but Brian Orr is like our best friend. He doesn't let us really say that in public because if Brian Orr was our best friend, he would actually do a show in the bathtub like his brother did. I don't know. But, I played you know. golf with him like a month ago. Does that yeah. mean anything? But yeah. anyways, if you guys don't already know, Brian's doing another training symposium. It's gonna be what this February coming up. Go to hvacrschool.com. You'll find the information out. Trust me, it'll be the best training 
conference that you'll go to because there's really not a lot of advertisements. There's not a lot of fluff built into it. It's really no. just genuine people that want to be there that just want to learn. And mm -hmm. it's a great environment. I, I encourage everybody out there to try to get tickets. I will either be there. Um, I plan on being there in person. That's that's the goal. But there's a possibility it'll be virtual. But it'll be one of the best tickets you guys buy. So trust me, you guys want to go. So Yeah, and I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who Chris Mahali is. No. Uh, Chris is the, I don't know his exact title, but he's the head trainer for um, Regal Beloit. Oh, he's okay. been he's been the ECM motor guy yeah. since ECM motors basically hit the market. Chris and I have been friends for a long time and he was eventually on Brian's podcast. And this is the first year that Chris is going to get to go to the uh, symposium. He's going to speak at it. So, yeah, if you guys if you want to talk to the guy who really knows about ECM motors, he he'll be there. So uh, that's for refrigeration will be there as well. Yeah, Brett. And I believe Kevin are both Brett. Wetzel and Kevin Compass of Advanced Refrigeration Podcast are both going to plan on being there too. Um, so it's it's kind of the who's who of people who are uh, influential, uh, interesting, um, and just curious about the industry. They're going to be there, and it's a great, it's great show. Influential. That was the thing that cracked. Uh, again, I got a 22-year-old kid, so when you talk about anything on the internet and influencers and, and all that, and – I've had a running joke with my daughter for probably the last 10, almost 15 years that her dad is nationally known and she would roll her eyes and all that kind of stuff. And as time has gone on, she's come to finally realize that <laughs> I was goofing about it, but it's, it's true. It's a thing. There's truth. Yeah. And then when, uh, uh, I got hired at ACK and we have our website and they show who everybody is. It, it says that I'm an influencer on there. And it, <laughs> it, 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 it was. Isn't that a cringeworthy term? Handle. That's a cringeworthy term. I feel oh, the same God, way. I'm like yeah. influencer. Like, no, so I'm just a dude who just shares yeah. my knowledge. And, you know? uh, yeah. it, it, and it is. Cringy is the right word. But at the same time, I, I do things periodically. Uh, I'm a big fan of inside jokes. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't ever want to disrespect anybody with anything, but when you get to do little things, um, and this would be for anybody that's an ACA member is only going to be able to access this stuff, but we have our blogs that are for members only. And when I write articles, there's these little things that are like these niches that I want to fill. And I don't know if you, anybody on here is a Stern fan, but uh, uh, yeah. if, if you remember Stern years ago when Captain Jenks was watching OJ, and he called into ABC and he, I, I see OJ and he looks scared. Right. And <laughs> Al Michael breaks in and said, you know, stops. I want to make sure everybody knows this guy is using a code word and all this. And, and Al, uh, Al Michaels goes, lest anyone forget. Well, Stern busted his stones for years using that. So of course, when I'm writing blog articles, I got to throw it. Uh, lest anyone think different in there. And mm -hmm. it's for, a select it's for the one or people. two people that get the inside joke and i know they're losing it when they see that i put it into an article and it doesn't change the technical aspect but it just it makes i will so do happy. the same thing i was a big stern fan um in fact i was listening to stern on 9 11 which was a whole nother thing but i mean i listened to that whole show because that entire day he was my news source because he never went off the air like he was yeah. on there the whole time it was a trip 
you know, and I, each one of his people left and it was just him. And I think even Robin left, but anyways, that's a whole thing, but I'll do the same thing because I also listened for a while to Opie and Anthony, which were kind of Stern's nemesis. Um, but I listen to them on Sirius and I'll do inside jokes of stuff that they do. And I'll just drop it into little places here and there. And, and one or two people get it. And then I just feel triumphant because one person just gets the silliest little joke, you know, or oh yeah, uh, silliest little I, thing. I, I, I just love that stuff. And I'm yeah. also very fortunate. The guy who's actually my boss, Wes Davis uh, at, at ACA, I've known for a long time. And he's been very encouraging with the idea that, you know, you can still be yourself. Uh, you can't wear jeans anymore when you're in public for, a, you know, a work-related thing. And you have to have, I call them my Sipowitz shirts. Uh, if you guys, Andy Sipowitz was a, a character on NYPD Blue. He was real gruff. He called everybody a scumbag. But he always had a plaid short sleeve shirt and a tie on. I don't have to wear the tie, but I wear the short sleeve plaid shirts. And I say I wear my Sipowitz shirts. So I have yeah. my good duds on. And I'm a T-shirt and flip-flop and shorts guy. And if I'm, Adam was talking for where do I do my classes from? And virtually, I'm in my basement right now. This is yeah. Uh, and my camera is kind of not doing what I want it to do because I have this blank wall behind me. And it usually... Uh, tightens in and you can't see all the crap on the yeah. side, but uh, yeah, it, see, I was real interested matter, in that crap. Looks like a bunch of books and whatnot, uh, maybe a sewing books machine. Are over like there. Fishing lures. That's that's what's yeah. back there. So, oh, oh, nice. uh, people might not know you have a YouTube channel. Um, I do, uh, and I'm glad you, you pointed that out. I want people to know that most of the content that is going to be coming out. Uh, looks a lot better than my YouTube channel. I learned how to uh, create content uh, just really within the last two years. And truth be told, I never wanted to. Uh, I did everything live and we did everything we could to, to stop that from happening. And essentially, that's what killed where I worked previously. What so, is your YouTube channel called? Uh, it's my, my name, Ed Johnawak. And uh, all that, John. J-A-N-O-W-I-A-K. Your, uh, your videos are, it's no BS though. It's just like, yeah, and right to the uh, point. I remember one of your videos, it was like, all right, I got to eat dinner in five minutes, but I got to like <laughs> crush or squash this freaking rumor or whatever, this rule of thumb BS. And you went over something. I can't remember what it was. It was... Uh, uh, oh, external static? I think you were uh, f trying to figure out the available friction rate. Oh. And the calculation on it, you're like, I, I have dinner in 10 minutes. Let's go through this quick. All right. And it was just like, yeah, boom, boom, boom. To watch. I know I said that one time. There was one time I said something and I was about to start cursing. I'm like, well, let's keep this PG rated. But that was all a, a learning curve for me. The stuff that's on the TEC website currently is uh, much more polished and it looks better. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm in the, the midst of uh, creating a lot of content that's going to go on the ACA website. We have some stuff coming out. Uh, a thing called Hey Ed, two-minute clips where I go over stuff in two minutes. And I finish it up with my cool ta uh, tagline with, that's the way I see it. And hmm. they're in the process yeah, of, of putting line. that together for public consumption. So a thing called Predictable Comfort that's coming out. That's members-only stuff. I'm in this really weird situation right now. I got hit in the face with a hockey puck. And I don't, and I, it wasn't a hockey puck. I am getting some dental work. I don't want to record anything in the intern <laughs> until I get my chiclet replaced. Yeah, you get that whistling and, noise. Oh, <laughs> and I got a fake one and I talk with a pronounced lisp because I made mm -hmm. fun of a relative that <laughs> did talk like that. And karma is coming back to me in a big way. But <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, 
is in the next, uh, hopefully, because uh, I go Monday for my uh, temporary embutment or whatever the heck they called it. I'm going to be putting a, a, a lot of recordings together. So um, the stuff that I've learned so I can sound somewhat uh, professional and uh, record it in a good way. There's going to be a bunch of stuff coming out in the not so distant future. So, so it's the same gruff person that you've already seen, but it's more polished, I guess, is a good way to describe a it. Brighter smile. <laughs> well, no, I, I had all my chiclets on all those other videos. Oh, okay. It's just this has only been a, a couple of weeks and it's just it's a so, big segueing real quick, Ed. Um, now, I also am in the commercial industry, part of the industry and uh, I, I don't do a lot with airflow, but it's uh, it's a very interesting thing to me. Um, how can we bring uh, just how can we bring airflow awareness and the importance of it to the HVAC industry to the to the industry in, in general? Because I know I know a lot of guys are just like, well, I mean, it's a bad capacitor, or I'll just sell them a new system. We'll uh, maybe give them a bigger filter. You know, there's a lot of things where I, I don't think there's as many like Chris said earlier. There's not as much focus on it. How can we? No. Here's make a real the world good way up? to start spreading the word. Um, do you know anybody that measures the sensible temperature difference on an air conditioner and makes the claim that it's working right or not working right, right based off of that sensible temperature difference? Yes. Yes. Punch him in the face. Okay. <laughs> Problem solved. Right? Dude, we can make a whole TikTok with that, right? Because we don't even know what TikTok is. We it's don't do TikTok. Yeah. Literally yeah. just going around yeah. punching people in the face. Yep. TikTok, the real skinny head. Old ladies. And, and if, if anybody's looking to find me and really see what my life's about, go on Snapchat. Skinny head. Right, all one word, skinny Ed. Oh, okay, there you go. Is uh, Snapchat I, I, still a thing? I didn't even know that existed anymore. What's that? Snapchat. Oh yeah, it's um, daily. Uh, from the time I left my house at five o'clock this morning, you you saw me break the inlet at at, at sunup. We were catching bluefish and we were peeling through the the bluefish until we got into the albies, and that's that's the big deal, man. There that's you what go. you caught today. It's on the screen. That, yeah. Yep, that was this Boom. morning. Nice. So that's a. And then, not fish. to make anybody. Uh, uh, I yeah, I got Mark was... Miller just added me as a friend. Uh, <laughs> not to make anybody oh jealous. Goodness. After I did that, I was at the golf course by ten, and uh, I played around the golf. Blew up the front a little bit, uh, but I was even par on the back, so it was a uh, was a good day. So, so what about you know, um, really big right now during the the craziness that just happened over the last couple of years, and you know, um residential companies just exploded in their business. You know, they're just selling equipment balls to the wall, just going nuts with equipment replacements, right? Maintenance programs, IAQ, all this fancy stuff. And I feel like easier than addressing the actual problem though. Yeah. That's, that's what I feel like. There's so much of this back to where we were with the temperature rise stuff. Right. Okay. You take a fancy thermometer like this and you measure the temperature rise or right. drop. Let's go back to drop. It's air conditioner. If an air conditioner has a 20 degree drop, is that good? It depends. On? The indoor airflow. conditions. The, 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 the indoor humidity. I just want to stick with airflow. We got a three ton system. How much air is moving across that system? Three ton, 12. It depends. Items. It depends on where you live and what or your is community is. Is it 800 or yeah. is it 1400? 0.01 on my deck there. So, yeah, 1200. <laughs> And, and that's what people assume. And then when you actually measure airflow in a system and you got a three ton system and it's moving 820 CFM, a whole bunch of people are putting their hands in their pockets and staring at the floor and kind of brushing their feet across the carpet because nobody wants to acknowledge that that's a big part of the missing part of the puzzle. So how do we in the short term, how do we address that? 
we take something fancier, right? And you take something that can take and measure a wet bulb temperature. For exactly. You, you take hmm. two wet bulb temperatures, convert it to enthalpy. You take your airflow times your enthalpy times 4.5, and there's your BTU output. Or if that's too confusing, yes, 1,200 CFM times 6.66 times 4.5 is a handful of BTUs short of a nominal 36,000 BTUs. So in theory, a perfect change in enthalpy or enthalpy difference is going to be 6.66. So let's dumb it down even more. Go up to a system on a maintenance, put your digital hygrometer supply and return and get your difference or get your wet bulb temperatures, convert it to enthalpy and then get your distance a difference. If it's between six and seven, you can figure it's okay. If it's not, then we should be gauging up and taking static pressure readings and inv investigating more. It is uh, uh, not a perfect way to do it, but it's a lot better than just measuring two sensible temperatures. Yeah. Or like the easiest way is just get yourself a couple digital hygrometers, download MeasureQuick, and use the non-invasive test, and it tells you, you know, what's going on. And and I feel like you know I love technology. Um, you know I. I'm a younger tech. I'm 38. And so I remember -ish. before technology, but I also am, am in the middle of this craziness that we have. Right. So it's awesome. These tools measure quick is amazing. Right. Yeah. But measure quick is only as good as the measurements that you make. It's sure. only as good as where we put the temperature clamps and the air probes. Um, and, and I'm, completely, um, part of the problem. I work on commercial package units all day long and where do you measure, you know, temperatures on a commercial package? You know, where's the most convenient place to measure temperatures directly off the side in the side shot, you know, yeah, and that's not, and that's not the right place, but I'm just saying that's sure. where we measure. So that's too close to the evaporator coil. That's too close to the heat exchanger. That's not a true return air measurement. So I feel like there's a lot of change that needs to happen in the industry. It's not practical on the commercial side or even on the residential side to take a, a pack. Well, maybe on the residential, it's a little bit more practical, but to go actually measure in the return air grill downstairs, you know, yeah, and go measure the, the closest supply grill. The duct. Yeah. It, you yeah, know, return isn't a big deal. The big deal is when you're taking supply measurements. Yeah. Uh, I worked on utility programs many years ago where my daily grind was efficiency testing on heat pumps because the electric company was subsidizing and we have that lower door test duct yeah. leakage and check to make sure the heat pump works the way it's supposed to. So people don't convert to gas. And I've it, it's when I, when I talk about the, the formulas, I just spouted out. I did that every day for four years. Uh, and this was all the technology that I had available to me. Yeah, my psychrometric charts were from a Xerox machine. I mean, my show my age when I say Xerox machine, mm -hmm. I did it all manually calculating it. And with repetition, you start to find out where the the temperature reading should be taken, where the results are good, and whether where they're no good. But I don't think everybody has the ability to take uh, you know hundreds of measurements to start to decide where they should be taking those measurements. And and you bring up the utility programs; those are huge out here in Southern California. Um, you know, the all the utility programs have rebates. You can go to you know insert name of certification program and get training and all this different stuff. And again, I'm just a service guy, but I see the holes and the discrepancies. And I'm not saying every company does this, but majority of the places are going to pass 
the energy audit. Majority of the places, the numbers are going to make sense. And California is flex duct heaven. It's everything flex duct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nothing is going to pass. Nothing. But yes, majority does. I'm going to push back on that one. Just because it's flex duct doesn't mean it's bad. Okay. But it's flex duct that's improperly installed. I'm on board. Okay. So <laughs> again, I've gone to, I, I, I went down this, this rabbit hole of wanting to get my company certified. And I started going down the path of, again, I'm not going to say every company does this. Okay. I'm not going to say every auditing program is the same, but a lot of it's just about paying fees to become certified to, to meet these certain numbers. And I feel like uh, there's not true measurements going on. I, again, I know there's some companies that are trying to do right, but a lot of the companies I feel like my opinion, they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing. And well, these the numbers that we're trying to meet are moving towards methods that can't be gamed. Okay. Uh, there, that's a good, good you show up. And the uh, location is geotagged. The tech starts to take measurements and this stuff in real time is going to a cloud and there's no way for them to make up numbers. Uh, and so, so, you know, when you talk about title 24, um, the original person who trained me on how to do system performance measurements, I want to say it was every bit of 27, 28 years ago, maybe even 30 years ago, uh, Tom Downey. And Tom Downey works for John Proctor. And if you're familiar with Title 24, the HVAC guy behind all that was John Proctor. So okay, uh, my lineage goes back to getting trained on how to do stuff by the very people that were responsible for the title 24 in California. And I feel like the intention was good. I just yeah. feel like when, when they, they come out with the, the certification requirements and when they come out with the numbers that they want you to meet, I feel like once they realize that nobody's meeting these numbers and the amount of money they have to spend to meet those numbers, you know, most well, people are like, eh, you know, there's a lot of these programs that, uh, they they have to work or they go to the wayside. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's the the way it is in California, but utility programs that I've been involved with over the years, if you can't show that it's going to produce the results, and a big part of the results for my market, and California probably isn't that all that much different. It's they're talking about peak load reduction. That was it's not conservation. I mean, the electric companies sell a product; they're not trying to conserve it. They're trying to make it so that you don't use as much of it on a demand day. Yeah. Which that's a, a whole topic that, again, I don't want to do an about face, but periodically on the Internet, I see these guys bragging about they have the, the radio controlled boxes that shut the air conditioners off on a demand day. Yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah. brag about they disconnect them. Why don't you just tell the whole world? I don't understand <laughs> what peak demand problems are. And you're going to brag about you disconnect it. You're an idiot. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. It's like, I'm an idiot. Look what I'm showing everybody that I do. It's, it's bizarre. And that's where I start to get, um, disgruntled when it comes to our industry at times. There's people. So how do you think the industry gets better when it comes right. to proper airflow measurement and proper tools to do? I so? was going to, yeah, I was going to like right along that line too. I was going to say, um, uh, you know, residential wise, I would say probably eight out of 10 furnaces that I walk up to and check airflow or whatever, you know, that was not that we didn't install somebody else's job. They didn't the dip switches were never set up. The mm -hmm. taps on the blower were never moved. Um, you know, the old school furnaces, the cooling is always on black. That's just how it is. 
So how, how do you get the new guys? How do you get the old guys? How do you get everyone to understand you have to set these things up? They don't. Right. Have- and what, here's let's take that even a step further and make it more difficult. And since you brought it up, I'm going to set uh, set you up for this. What is your airflow supposed to be on a gas furnace? Um, well, your airflow, it depends on your gas furnace, right? 80% or 95%. Um, I believe, is it NCI says that 80% furnace should be 100 and 25 CFM for every 10,000 BTUs, 100. Yeah, they might say that, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to argue, I'm going to argue this because the airflow is dependent on the manufacturer of the furnace, period. Uh, Well, yes, it is. Period. Period. I'm not going to beat around the bush and make anybody get right inside the furnace. It'll tell you your rise is supposed to be between 30 and 60. Right. Take the two numbers, Mm -hmm. add them together and divide by two. That's the recognized process, the ANSI recognized process, what your airflow is supposed to be. So people can give you rules of thumb, and mm. that's what they are, the rules of thumb. So yes. when we start to talk about how do we cha- uh, transform the market, we start by getting people to follow the actual rules that are in place to begin with. Just like with air conditioning, is 400 CFM per ton always the answer? No. no. And it no. has nothing to do with geographic location. Your airflow on an air conditioner is based off of the expanded performance data from the manufacturer. Exactly. The process is we find out the sensible heat ratio of the house. That gives us some guidance from a part of manual S. It'll ballpark our airflow, and that's literally the verbiage that's used. And that's where we start our search in the expanded performance data. We find a piece of equipment that meets the sensible, meets the latent, doesn't exceed the total by 15 20 or 30 percent depending on the uh, compressor technology and we select that piece of equipment whatever the airflow happens to be that matches all that criteria that's our airflow now i just taught you manual lesson what a minute and 38 seconds you just beat your record that's awesome (laughs) Uh, and i want to say there's more to it than that but there's not right manual isn't a secret and i've done a bunch of seminars over the years where I asked now, you know, assuming that we want to try to make it perfect for the way the manufacturer designed it, then you have to put in variables. We're trying to account for poor duct work. We're trying to account for different things. The way the manufacturer and here's let's, let's go through the whole process with that. Manufacturers have to play the HRI game. They have to manufacture equipment to specific SEER ratings. The practitioner or the designer is actually going to ignore all that. Right. We still have to purchase and install matching equipment, but we're going to do what we need to do to follow those, meet the sensible, meet the latent, don't exceed the total. So we might run an airflow that's completely different than where the SEER ratings were derived from. And that's okay because that is the process that we're supposed to follow. There are people that fall into this trap of, well, uh, I have to meet the SEER rating. No, you don't. Not when the system is actually operating. So, again, we got to go back to the fundamentals of system design and make sure that that's what we're doing. And I just saw the curious HVAC guy says, I have no idea what we're talking about. That's Bill above you. Oh, and I'm (laughs) speaking that way on purpose. Yeah. Because this is part of my shtick to get people to come in the classes or to get so that they want to know this. And when I speak like this, I know I'm talking fast. I'm from New Jersey. It's just the way it is. But what I'm talking about is very basic fundamental understanding uh, of stuff that I think everybody should have. But why are we so screwed up as an industry? Because people don't have this basic fundamental understanding of system design. 
People don't pick the right size piece of equipment from the beginning. How in the world are we going to put systems in that work the way they're supposed to? Yeah. Right. Um, let so, me let me preface something. If you don't already know this, I'm just going to give you context here, Ed. What you're looking at is the private chat. That's between the four of us or five. Oh, of us. you're looking at the private <laughs> chat. Oh, yeah. There's a chat going on with 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 200 people right now in the YouTube chat. Right oh, now. that's Different pretty questions. funny. So, um, so you're looking at the private chat, and that's us kind of typing back and forth to each other. We probably yeah. should have prefaced that with I, saying, I like, typed it a while I don't back. Care. Like, I have no I, idea that's that's done, us whatever. like trying to keep ourselves on track. I so. did a Zoomy class the other night. Um, a thing on Manual D, and I did this. I did Manual S the week before, and I have a bunch of screens in front of me, and I got the the Zoom thing, and. I'm like, all right, I know it's being recorded. I got three people in the, the class. Screw I'm going to do the same class, whether it's three or 300. I, I, I know people are going to go see it later, so I don't care how many people are in there. I went through a three-hour class thinking I was talking to two people. And when I looked, the, as I started dragging it out, the, it just kept multiplying. I, I, there was, I don't know how many people were in there. I know it was more than a dozen because that's how many boxes my thing caps at, out at. And then I'm like, I don't even want to know because I yeah. felt like an idiot because I thought there were two people. And I uh, uh, the fellow's last name was Wong, and he was really good about interacting with me. And I had one person interacting with me, and that's all I needed. So, Adam, approve the screen share so we can show context <laughs> to the audience real quick. So what the, what did you oh. just do? Why is it going crazy? Because I'm looking at the same thing. We're, it's a, we're in a matrix now. Oh, that never mind. So, <laughs> so yeah, if you guys don't know, to the people watching right now, we have a private chat that we talk crap on the, 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 the public chat, right? So all yes. you people chatting in the public chat, we're, we're constantly talking crap on you guys. And no, so we have that usually, private chat right here. Usually there's, there's times where some of the guests don't realize there's a private chat. Yeah. Yeah. Joe and Bill are going back and forth. Like, who is this guy? Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> no, but it's how we keep ourselves in tr on track. And so what Ed was looking at was the private chat and Bill was joking saying, I don't know what's going on. No, I wasn't joking. All right. So this is on YouTube live, but this is also being recorded. Uh, we are, we, we're, we, we're usually in the rears, but it is a podcast as well too. What is the rears? We, Nobody knows. So did nobody did nobody tell down. Ed what he was act like? Does Ed did Ed know that he was going to be on YouTube Live? No. Did you know this, no. You, Ed? No, I asked Adam yesterday. Said, yeah, he asked Adam to my good, hair. Good luck. Uh, is it live or is it a? I have no idea. So I'm going to have my assistant work on uh, um, Ralph in the background. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and work on communication here, and we're going to communicate <laughs> better with the guests from yeah. this point. Social media crew. I'll see myself out. This is going to be. <laughs> I, I can go look at this later, right? Yeah. Somebody yes. can touch up my. My spot here. No, nope. yeah, we'll Photoshop nope. something. I'm gonna Photoshop nope. a thumb, <laughs> with a little tiny there. Uh, this something. is something that I, unless I have the ability to edit stuff, I rarely go watch myself after the fact. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I, if for anybody that records I themselves, I think it. you're familiar with this concept. You go back and you go, oh man, I said that wrong. Oh, I said that wrong. Uh, if I don't have the ability to edit it, I usually don't want to go watch it. So, yeah, you know what? I, I feel like this industry in general, uh, especially with the social media side of things, people on YouTube and stuff, I feel like people need to embrace. And I try to do this as much as possible with my little social media niche that I have. I feel like people need to embrace 
the fact that we're feel human. Like a merch plug coming in. I yeah. feel no, I'm not. I feel like we need to all be. Uh, and if you're interested in purchasing merch, go to hvacrvideos.com. Okay, <laughs> <I know. laughs> acca.org. Don't don't forget so, about that one either. The, wait, wait, say it again. Say it again. Acca.org. There you go. Buy all kinds of acca members. There you go. Yep. Um. No, but for real, I feel like we all need to understand and embrace the fact that we're all human, and this trade is constantly evolving. We're constantly learning. TEC, oh. there you go. There we go. See, that was a shameful plug right there. See, there we, we go. That's what we're, we're famous for. No, but we need to own the fact that we're human and we're constantly learning. We you know, we make mistakes and we grow from those mistakes. And, and we I, all need to own that. I said this earlier in the chat. I wonder how an industry that's starving for good technicians, like we're, we're just... I mean, at least from what I can see, we, we just don't have a lot of technicians that are getting or a lot of people getting into the trades, a lot of good technicians getting turned out by these HVAC schools. Like, how are we going to take what we have now as far as technicians and say, all, all of a sudden, we need you guys to get to you're, you're at this level. We need you up here at this level so we can all properly measure and you know accurately measure, actually accurately diagnose things like obviously this isn't something we can solve tonight with a couple words couple See, answers or whatnot but bill i feel like the problem is the the the, the older techs like us here the old school techs that are are holding the industry up i feel like the new techs are going to be fine with the technology and the tools i feel like it's us that's, so. that's dragging like, I, our feet i've met some of these kids coming out of these schools man and they are dumb as shit well but but okay and that's <laughs> with that comment right there though the the schools I mean, are not the ones that poop. are providing these kids the schools are just giving them the fundamentals we as as senior technicians and business owners are the ones that really need to train them and build them yeah, up. That's I, the way I, I see I it. I mean, yeah, that's true. But like, for example, like Joe over there, he has this, you know, red seal thing up in Canada. And what he tells me about it, it's like this just high, higher educational system that they have, which is kind of like an apprenticeship sort of program over here to become like a journeyman sort of thing. Uh, but it's, it seems like it's much more rigid than it is Wait, over here. I thought Joe already had his red seal. No, you're talking about the other guy. Don't be no. really. Oh, that's right. No. Danny Norian has his red yeah. seal. Joe doesn't have his. That's the right. Okay. Master. He's also that's more your left. Way, but yeah. that's Danny Noonan. Noonan. Yeah. Noonan. You know him. He's the guy who does TXVs really, really good. That's a whole other. It's it's an inside joke, dude. Yeah, he's, he's, great. he's great at his job. But you know, like over there, they have a much more rigid sort of uh, of entry way into the industry. Whereas over here, like. I can get out of school, go to school for eight months, not know nothing. I can go get a start a business the next day and start, you know, going to customers' houses. Yeah, every you know, single state has different rules too. and regulations. And you know, I have a question um, about, like, let's say residential um, for residential contractors. There's so many residential systems that are jacked up, right? So, what? How would you recommend going into um, a house that somebody wants to replace their system? And their ducts are all jacked up and this and that. And how do you size the equipment and try to dial something in an existing, you know, like it's not going to be perfect. And most people are not going to want to reduct the whole house. So what most duct systems are too small if Typically, for the yeah. existing equipment. But when you put properly sized equipment on it, the chance of success increases. Uh, somebody has to accept the fact that you're going to look the homeowner in the face and tell them. When it's cold out, it's supposed to run a lot. What more okay. runs, the more we're going to mix the air, the better off we're going to be. Uh, we got to do everything we can to get the that conditioned air to go inside the house. And you're like, you're dying to say something. So go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, I, I'm, a, I'm not a fan of regulations, okay? I, I'm not a fan of putting more regulations into the thing. But what about a regulation that says you cannot put equipment that will not work with the existing ductwork, period, flat out? You then the consumer is going to have, that's they're going to be forced. 24 is. You got to seal your ductwork. You put yeah. in a new air conditioner, you got to fix your ductwork. And, 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 and then to, to argue against my point, then title 24 is not working because people just don't pull permits. That's the, that's the, yeah, but how do you sell a house? You don't sell the house with the upgrade as part of the sale. Remodel oh, the kitchen. There's a mechanism around it. I thought yeah. it turned into every house gets sold as is without a CO. Yeah. Your, your title. I mean, as far as I know, I'm going to, I, when I sold the house recently, title 24 didn't come into play at all. It was just, you just sold the house. Okay, my understanding, and I could be wrong. I could be if, wrong too. If so. you don't follow the path that is Title Twenty Four, you get a new air conditioner. They're not touching the ductwork. You have to touch the ductwork, and it has to pass the the leakage test. So even that's, though that no, that's and if if you don't pass the leakage test, you don't get a uh, a completion. For the work that's being done, hmm. you can't get a CO until that's been accomplished. So when it comes to selling the house, I believe there's an issue when it comes to selling the house because you're selling it without a CO, and that's going to significantly reduce its value. So when they sell a house, they're not asking who replaced the ductwork. I mean, it's kind of like a renovation to your house. As long but as if you a permit was pulled, and that's yes. it, here it is. If a permit was, yeah, pulled, was pulled, they aren't pulled. Yeah. But if, yeah. but if a not permit pulled. isn't pulled and somebody mm -hmm. goes to sell a house. You still have to get a CO in the on the house. So somebody's going to be snooping around and see a three-year-old air conditioner in a 20-year-old house and say, how come no permit was pulled? Then yeah, the don't process is to pull a permit. See, that's what ha We don't have Title 24, but when you go to sell a house, if you did work with that requires a permit and never pulled a permit, you have to pull the permit before the certificate of occupancy can be uh, issued to the house i'm in that situation yeah they don't pull they don't go that far here and, and people get around it and to to explain to the audience right now title 24 is an energy code in southern california or in california in general where you know it applies to the energy efficiency of the home and, and all that fancy stuff and in order to get permits you have to meet title 24 requirements you have to so on paper, it sounds like a good concept. You have to meet airflow requirements. You have to get third-party contractors that come in and verify that the 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 person that did the work verify. did their job right. Yeah, and they have to stuff. do a duct blaster test. Yes, but with they a Minneapolis they duct blaster. There you go. But they don't. You get around it by just it's it's not a selling point of the house. Same thing. If you sell a house that has a renovation, an add-on, as long as you don't include that in the marketing for the house. Let's say it has seven bedrooms, right? But they're not officially bedrooms. You just can't sell it as a seven bedroom house. You sell it as a three bedroom house. That's it. And, and then the house gets sold and it moves on the, 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 the adding an air conditioner, nobody's out there looking into to dig in to say, you know, Hey, you replace this air conditioner. That, that's not happening. I mean, it, it, in, my, in my market, we don't have title 24, but that's how the local inspectors justify their existence and bring in revenue to pay their, their payroll. Now how they, they bring in revenue here. And I'm going to get, we don't need to go down a rabbit hole, but how they bring in revenue here is this, is that if you go through certain financial programs that there's government subsidized programs in Southern California, um, hero financing and different things like that, uh, you have to meet certain energy efficiency improvements on your house. So if you want to get hero financing for your new air conditioning system, 
and you want uh, to get it signed off on the permits, your toilets have to be low flow. Your different things in the house have to be low flow. That's how they make their revenue out here. It's just kind of silly stuff like that. And just for you people curious at home, I do have a refrigerator that I can roll. I was just wondering about at. that. That yeah. was a benefit of sending a kid to, to college that needed a dorm fridge. <laughs> and after two years, she didn't need a dorm fridge anymore. And now I have a fridge within reach. Of nice. and, and Bill, Bill, I feel like for some reason in my head, I feel like you have a very philosophical question you want to ask. You. How do Hold I know on. this stuff? I don't know. So it's not really philosophical, but I had to get some somebody's attention with my fancy $5 word. <laughs> so a while back, Ed, you were on uh, Brian Orr's podcast, I think uh, earlier in September, and you said something that really caught my ear and it's uh, you don't know everything. And you, you kind of elaborated on this and talked about it a little bit, but uh, what what uh i guess when in your career did you realize like it's okay to not know everything it's okay to not be a human encyclopedia oh i have a, a really good answer for that one when i first started teaching and i didn't do my whole spiel and i'm not going to but i'll give you the the quick version i spent 15 years in a service truck before i started teaching classes and through mm. a comedy of errors i ended up doing what i do now which is teach classes right i never thought i would be a, an educator or anything like that and the fact that i actually do it for a living i giggle every time i realize i got paid <laughs> what i consider at times too much money for what i just did but uh i've seen a lot of people who start off teaching classes and uh, a lot of us make the same mistake you think you're you, you you feel pressured, whether it's really there or not is irrelevant, but you feel the need to be able to answer everybody's question. Mm. And the first time you make up an answer and give it to somebody and they believe you and something bad happens, that's when you realize you can't do that ever again. And I was fortunate when I did something, somebody had a little bit of an issue. And when they got a hold of me, they're like, this isn't working out. I literally went out and helped them and I just flat out told him, I was like, Terry, I made that up and I was wrong. Let's fix it. And I gave him some free labor and that kind of a thing. And I told myself, I'm never going to do that again. And I haven't. And I've been in situations where I have people asking me questions where I don't know the answers. But the really cool part is I got a phone with about 1500 contacts in it. And I've done things like I had somebody ask me a question about what happens when a scroll compressor runs backwards. Is it going to hurt it? Is it not going to hurt it? I'm like, I don't know the answer to that, but I know Bob Feathers does. And I left him a message 15 minutes later. I got him on speaker in front of a class of 15 people. And I said, Bob, give me the info. And I don't know if you know who Bob is. Bob retired from Emerson. He was the, you know, uh, essentially does the same road show that Don Gillis uh -huh. uh, does. So he was, I don't know if it was exactly his predecessor, but they all come from, and I always like, yeah, there's the guys from Sydney, Ohio. Yeah. It's not as elaborate as being from Australia. Australia. Yeah. But it, I'm again, I'm very fortunate over the years with some of the stuff that I've been involved with and some of the contacts that I, I have or had. I can still uh, reach out to you know somebody that worked for a, a compressor manufacturer or worked for a, a reversing valve manufacturer. I know the ECM guy. Uh, I I. I know a bunch of people that if I text them and ask them a question, uh, I know they're going to get back to me. 
And what's yeah. even cooler is a lot of these people have become lifelong friends. If I'm in another state and I'm near where they're at, I'm just not going to uh, go to dinner with them. There's a solid chance I'm at their kitchen table having dinner with them. So yeah. uh, I think yeah. that's making a, a, and I saw somebody write this recently and it might've been Bob again. Uh, these aren't just people that I've worked with and I have people that I have worked with and I, you know, if I never talk to them again, I really don't care. But there's people that you just click with and people that you don't. And the people that you click with, um, it's pretty cool to be able to say, yeah, I've known that guy for 20 years. And uh, you text him out of the – you haven't talked to him in two years. But uh, they're getting back to you in five minutes when you reach out to him. So that's mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. So uh, there's a comment in the chat. Uh, T. Letch – I don't know how you pronounce his screen name or whatever. And it says Lech. he was always taught by his contractor he works for to never design a house to code because that's the lowest quality you can possibly build. Uh, I, I don't agree that. Uh, I was going to say that I standard. kind of agree with that. It's a minimum standard. Minimum, no minimum reason. standard, yeah. Yeah, I, that's the way I would phrase it. I wouldn't say it's the lowest quality. Okay, that's fair enough, but it's a minimum standard, and there's always further because is sure. it fair to say that um, my assumption of most codes is is that they kind of look at the end or the – the market and they say okay we want people to pass to this point but that's not realistic so we're going to settle for this point because they understand uh, they got to yeah, there's the some people that don't that. know yeah look at energy star homes look at uh well, net zero the whole net zero concept yeah. and, and all and this if different you look stuff. at the icc codes they're basically one code cycle change behind whatever the latest and greatest energy star stuff is for instance yeah. You guys are familiar with the requirement to seal ductwork and all that stuff, right? Yes. In the 18 code, it's ductwork that's within the thermal boundary should be sealed, but it doesn't need to be tested. It's not until it's outside the thermal boundary that it needs to be sealed and tested. Well, mm. in the 21, and there we argued against it and we lost. And we're not we weren't the only ones arguing against it. All ductwork, doesn't matter where it lives, inside or outside the thermal envelope, has to be sealed and tested. So ductwork that's within the thermal envelope has to have a duct blaster test done on it, and it has to meet the three or four CFM per hundred square foot of footprint that that zone services. And that's, I, I mean, it's I, not that hard to do, but it's not easy. With Without going too political on this stuff, I feel like majority of the codes are and, and regulations are put out there before we figure out how to implement them. And I'm going to say that I, and this was, I don't know, about 10 years ago when title 24 first came out, I was sweating bullets because I pulled permits on a, a, a restaurant package unit change out. I changed 12 package units on a restaurant. And this was the first time I ever had to pull permits and title 24 had just come out. Now, granted that was in its infancy, right? And it's changed a lot. Again, title 24 is our energy, you know, requirements energy code requirements. So when the, the, the guy came off to sign on the permits, you know, he, the, he came up under the roof and I was sitting here thinking, what's he going to make me do? What's he going to make me do? I heard all these rumors about different things. And he walked up onto the roof. He looked around and he said, do you have a 115 volt receptacle within six feet of every unit? And I said, I didn't have, I didn't do that, but it happened to be that there was a 115 volt receptacle within every unit. And he goes, okay, cool. I'll sign off on your permit. And then we got to talking after. And I said, what about all this title 24 stuff? What about all these energy codes and all this different stuff? And he goes, we don't know what any of that means. We don't know how to implement that. Yeah. And that's what you're describing. There isn't that far from the truth in a lot of jurisdictions. I've dealt directly with contractors in my state for a long time. And they would reach out to me and say, you know about this stuff. Help me out here. 
uh, and it would usually this this uh, inspector's being unreasonable. He's doing X. Well, did you look at what the code actually says and where it goes back to are contractors uh, proactive or reactive when it comes to code? Most are, are reactive. Reactive. Yeah. So y- you got to be proactive about it. You got to pay attention to stuff. Again, I'm going to uh, toot our horn uh, with ACA. Uh, David Bixby is the guy who's the head of codes and standards, and he's a real sharp guy. And he did a whole bunch of stuff trying to let everybody know about what was coming uh, uh, coming around with the GFI uh, 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 breakers for our outdoor units, right? I don't know if you guys are familiar that that was – in a lot of jurisdictions was just implemented or was going to be implemented. And it's state by state by state right now. It's getting kicked to the curb because there's issues with some compressor technologies tripping the GFCIs that are being connected to this equipment. So there's, and I know everybody has their, their own struggle, but there's got to be a time where contractors either individually go and become part of the process instead of being a, a bitch fest after the fact. That's true. And this is a big plug coming right up for, this is exactly what ACA does. I mean, they're a lobbying firm that does lobby for small business, but there's also a lot of stuff going on where we're literally on the front lines fighting for individual contractors. And we can be more effective if we have more contractors on board so this is the plug to, you know, peel the 49 bucks a month and become a member. You'll have access to a lot of content. But the more people that we have helping us, the more that we can do when it comes to helping the contractors with the very things that you're bringing up. And, and that's a good statement. Uh, on the contractor side, there's a lot of ignorance. Um, there's, you know, we're, we're guys just trying to make money. You know, and we're mm-hmm. trying to do everything right. But at the same time, we have to compete with the people next to us who don't care about doing things right. Mm-hmm. And so we're stuck in a battle, you know, and we're, we, we want to do right, but we also want to survive. So it's, it's a, it's a tricky situation. There's only so many hours in a day. And over the years, I've watched contractors that have just given up a tremendous amount of their time. And it, it, it's in their best interest. There's no getting around that. But when I see guys that are uh, out of pocket are going to a convention every year. And, yeah, it, it's a good time. I, uh, we have our fall meeting coming up in the fall. Uh, we're going to be in New Orleans. Uh, they have a, a day for the, the general manager type operations managers and then a day for the service managers. And you get to not only hear from people that work for ACA, but you get to hear from your peers. And one of the coolest things that I've seen over the years, and this is, again, turned into a plug for ACA, but they have these mixed groups. How much do you think you can learn from a half a dozen to a dozen very successful contractors that you don't compete against that are willing to share everything that they do? Oh, that, that's a great environment. That's one of the models that they've had for a very long time and is from an outside well what i used to be an outsider looking in that was one of the coolest things they had to offer so now my training's the coolest thing they have to offer but that you know that's a different how can people find out our viewers find out about aca just go to acca.org and start reading okay and 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 how can they find out more about you is it just acca.org or do you have for the guy who's described as the influencer Okay. All right. <laughs> so do you, um, if they want to attend one of your classes, is that also available on the website or? Yep. Okay. Okay. 
And then uh, I posted Ed's YouTube channel earlier. Let's see if it's still on my. Yeah, I'm gonna post it again right now. If you guys haven't already, go subscribe to Ed's YouTube channel. I'm posting yeah, the link right now. Yeah, there's some stuff when I was first, really first starting out, is terrible. Uh, there's some real old stuff like me singing at Disneyland. Some uh, stuff from oh, Frozen. good grief, um, High School Musical. I mean, what oh. better stuff? Uh, me, uh, my wife, uh, the the Squirrel Killer. She had oh, a uh, bird feeder that killed a squirrel. That was pretty funny. So uh, me, me trying to feed an alligator a cheeseburger on uh, one of the golf courses down at Disney. So, and then there's some technical content when I first started that's horrible. Uh, but then there's some stuff that Adam pointed out is uh, there's some good nuggets in there. So there's a common joke, like an inside joke between us and the show, and that anybody that comes on the show once we promote them they go viral. Okay, <laughs> it's a complete you, lie because they you gotta don't do the Tide Pod challenge. That's the only don't, way. It works. Don't expect this, but you know, you know, you're you're Tide a little bump. You know, it's gonna be from overtime. Excellent. Okay. Uh, my daughter had a, a video on TikTok go uh, go viral. Uh, she got two million views. And oh, I don't know if you guys know Rick and Morty. Yeah, love it. I thought it was Ricky Martin, uh, but, <laughs> Ricky but she went like this to one of the characters at Fright Fest down at Universal Studios in Florida. He did it back, and two uh, two million views later, she was wow. quite proud of that. So proud father you know well, right on well i think it's time we wrap this up ed it has been a great time thank you so very much for coming on thanks um, for having me yeah this is this is uh you know hopefully we didn't scare you away we're just a really relaxed show of just people just kind of bullshitting back and forth just next. talking and stuff yeah real people real people yeah so. no i get it it's good stuff hey, hey real quick before we go ed did you start growing that beard when you uh started training started teaching or like two how, how does ago. it two weeks ago that's yeah that's it was pretty right. much it yeah, yeah. I, I my my daughter again. She's 22. She's seen me once in my entire life, clean shaven. <laughs> she told me I look like a pedophile, so that mm -hmm. encouraged me to to grow it Let's back. Never shave but again. The beginning of the Rona is when I started growing it long. I haven't trimmed anything off the bottom since uh, February the year before. I yeah, I just aside. shaved my beard. It was longer than yours, Ed, but I just shaved it yesterday. Yeah, so, and yeah. I. Yeah. <laughs> I kept my hair till uh, when I lost my eyesight. Uh, I needed glasses around forty-five. So wait a minute, you haven't been able to see us this whole time. And <laughs> I just keep it cut tight because you, have, yeah, like, a you know, I just, I just grew up car. my hair yesterday. I just started growing it out, you know, and it's, it's, it's growing pretty long, you know, so yeah, things I, are kind of moving up over here. Yeah. It just keeps coming out on my butt. Walk my around back. with two magnifying glasses right. on your eyeballs. <laughs> so, uh, Hey Joe, do you want to say anything before we leave? I don't think Joe said anything on the show. I think just one of those nice like statue. I sat and, and, back, talked to the yeah. chat, let you guys go away. I, was, I thought yeah. we were going to hear at least one A and didn't even get that. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's you didn't even tell really us about Canadian. your recent moose story about like how attractive it was or whatever, dude. No. None of that? No, no. maybe next yeah. time. I think next time he's on, we'll be more comfortable. Or it's the first date kind of jitters, you know what I mean? And <laughs> then we'll start talking more you know, in depth. Like oh, got yeah, you. Got that's you. That's yeah, weird. Joe's our rude Canadian. He's like the, an oxymoron. <laughs> he's a rude Canadian yeah. right there. Oh, like, whatever. Bizarro Canadian. <laughs> that's yeah. one of the TikTok uh, characters that I follow. It's uh, Grogu. I don't know if you guys watched the mm. Star Wars thing with the uh, Baby Yoda. And no. this guy took a doll, and the two of them talk back and forth. And the one's always talking about Timmy's going to Timmy's and giving some tidbits, mm. and they're Timmy's. so nice it almost makes you want to choke them. And mm. it's it's quality content, man. Yeah, double it's, double. 
quality yeah 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 and i didn't know what any of that stuff was i'm there on the internet googling and uh, urban (laughs) dictionary is my friend i learn all the cool phrases from there so i learn all my bad words from the urban dictionary (laughs) like scat that's a new one scat all right well I think it's that note, that. Yeah. Google that. Google yeah. it. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Thank Thanks, Dad. I really appreciate you, bud. I loved it. I think it's been a great time tonight. Yeah. He gone. I had he a jumped good time. right out, man. He jumped right out. That was good. Man, it's a good thing we're not live right now, right, Joe? Let it no, all out. Yeah, no joke. So why yeah. haven't you talked more than like Asian minorities? You, type, you literally typed more than you talk. I I just just let it out. Let just, it when I just step back, I, I thought Adam was gonna ask for more too. We're gonna start hitting back and forth some situations that field maybe load counts. Yeah, maybe I mean, something along the lines like that. No, like I was hogging the mic. Much. Adam couldn't talk Not at all. Too much. Yeah, I said it like a million times. Like Chris gets paid per word. I can't handle any freaking dead air, so I just talk. No, it's good. Yeah. I, if, this, if there was dead air, I would have stepped in. Sure. Like my seven-year-old daughter. Joe, you know? Joe, are you going to be honest and tell us that you're finally gay? Uh, only on Sundays. On Sundays? A load count. Hey, are you going to wear that shirt with the nipples cut out? Um, No, I'll be uh. wearing my chaps. With the butt With cut out underneath. Oh, we're in yeah. last year. <laughs> Hot dog. Hot dog. Hot diggity dog. Hot diggity dog. Look at my dog. Look at my dog. Sin All right, let's squid. cue this. Before, Adam, before we it. go, guys. Before we go, guys, hit the thumbs up. Like, yeah, what the hell? You guys that lazy? Come on. Don't forget. Same bad time, same bad place. And next, next week, Friday. we're actually going to do it correctly in the beginning, right, Bill? I doubt it. Don't count. Don't hold us to that. <laughs> The beginning was nice. We got a lot of compliments, Until guys. Until we get we a producer. It. We're taking applications for a producer. So all you guys are looking out there, for social media resume. managers. We're looking social for social media manager, producer, lighting guy. We are legit uh, looking for a social media manager. Like I'm willing really to pay. Like for real. So if someone's out there, I'm not talking no silly person. You need to understand social media. We're mm-hmm. looking for it. All right. Thank you. Thank Peace. You. Thank you, buddy.